Network on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is director Peter Hutchings, and we're talking about his brand new movie, Then Came You. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks for having me. It's lovely having you here. I, I love this movie. I, I loved it. I'm really excited about talking about it. Uh, before we get started... Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Before we get started, um, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about the premise for Then Came You? Sure. So it's, um, it's a story about Calvin and Skye who are two teenagers who meet at a cancer support group. They're polar opposites. He's a hypochondriac, afraid of his own shadow, and she's really outgoing, burning the candle at both ends. And, um, and you know, somehow she latches onto him. She convinces him to help her carry out this really eccentric bucket list that she's concocted. And in return, she helps him come out of his shell, confront his fears, and, um, and get the girl of his dreams, Izzy, who's played by Nina Dobrev. It's a wonderful cast. You've got Aza, is it Aza? Is that how you say it? Butterfield in the yeah. lead, and Maisie Williams. I, I, and Aza is also in uh, Sex Education on Netflix, which is burning up Netflix right now. <laughs> so it's nice to see him. Is he actually English? Is he in real life? The two of them are. Yeah, I know Maisie. The two of them are. Yeah, Maisie, because Maisie, you know, they, I, did you... You didn't write this script. You do write scripts, though. Um, but was it written in I the... Didn't. So it's funny. This was actually written by an Irish writer um, named Fergal Rock. And it was originally set in Dublin. And we moved it to the United States. And then, of course, we cast, you know, two Brits in the lead <laughs> of role. Of course, of course. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, we kind of kept it as he plays an American in the story. And she plays... Um, she's English. Her family um, moved to the United States when she was a girl. They're both wonderful together. Their chemistry is great. And it is. It's a very funny, moving, heartbreaking movie. I had to bring out a lot of tissues at the end. Um, So I always say you've got to go to the movies and be moved. And this one does in many ways. And it's it's wonderful. So how did you get attached to this uh, movie? I had worked with the producers before. And I was finishing up the last movie that I did, which was also a young adult movie called The Outcast, and when that movie finished, they Brian Keaty, in, uh, the head of development at UCDF Pictures, sent me the script to read. I'm a really slow reader, and so usually you know, it takes me <laughs> I have to pick up the script and put it down about 15 times, and when I can read a script all the way through in one sitting, that's a really good sign. I flew through this one, and as soon as I got to the end, I just told myself, man, if I can be a part of making this movie and helping an audience feel what I'm feeling right now, that would be something really exciting. Um, so I, I jumped at the chance to, to come on board. And, uh, you know, I did tell them that, you know, it was going to be a, a, a tough movie, tonally a tough movie to, to find the right cast for. We needed to make sure. I thought that particularly that the role of Sky was going to be challenging to cast because it needed to hit a lot of very specific marks. And, you know, I said the only, the only actress that I could really think of who I think would be perfect for this is Maisie Williams. And, you know, I, I had known Maisie previously and I knew how different she was in real life from her character on Game of Thrones. And I knew that, you know, she's actually <laughs> a bit closer to the character of Sky, the character in, in this movie. So I, I just knew that, that she was going to be able to knock it out of the park. And thankfully, she, you know, she felt the same way. And, and then, you know, Aza was just a no-brainer. You know, he was, I, I loved, loved his work. And 
um, and knew that he'd be great. And so he came on shortly after. And it was only after the two of them came on that I found out that they actually knew each other. And I loved that, you know, and I really kind of um, encouraged them to spend time together. They both live in London. Um, so, you know, it was great for them to be able to spend time bonding and, you know, this, because these two characters, this, the depth of this friendship, it's almost like, um, you know, like a brother-sister relationship. And, you know, that was obviously really, really important to get right. So I was happy that they were able to, to spend that time together. Yeah, the chemistry between the two of them is just absolutely wonderful, and they are the heart and soul, obviously, of the movie. So that was very essential that you felt their uh, love and concern for each other, actually, and how they help each other. And that it, it, it's a it's a really wonderful movie. You, um, talk a little bit about the symbolism. That was a very important element uh, for you. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why was it important, and yeah. how did you how did you um, Look, go ahead. Just tell me a little bit about that. You know, it's there was there were a lot of things that we were balancing in this story. You know, the balance between the comedy and, and the drama. You know, between the laughs and the tears. And another thing that we were balancing was between the kind of grounded realism. You know, this is we're in the real world. These are real flesh and blood characters, and really trying to be as specific and detailed as possible um, in these. Uh, movie also operates very much at a symbolic level. This, you know, the relationship between life and death. Um, you know, the, the, the aspirations that we have to ascend and we're pulled down to the ground. And this is all baked into the storytelling with the symbolisms of, you know, he's a baggage handler at the airport, you know, who's never been on a plane before, you know. And, you know, she's a, a, a diver. And I was really, you know drawn to the imagery of of water in this movie and you know this the symbolic representations of you know I could I could I could spend a lot of time talking go, go ahead please do because I think it's important um, you know I, I the most wonderful thing about doing this show is that um, allowing the listener to learn more about the background of how a movie was made how the director saw the vision and uh, the more they know, the more they will enjoy the movie. So go into it deeply, because somebody may not pay attention to that, too. So I think it would be very beneficial for people to understand uh, why the symbolism was so important and how it was manifested in the movie, how you use symbolism in the movie. Sure. So, you know, you take an example of the color blue, you know, which can both be, you know, when we think of the color blue, we think of the sky. And we think of the water. You know, there's kind of two instant things that come to mind. And of course, we have at the center of this character named Sky. <laughs> mm. And we have a character who, you know, works in the airport. You know, kind of one of the opening, um, you know, shots of the movie is him looking up wistfully at this plane as it's flying away into this blue sky. Um, and, and the water, which we see, you know, in the center of you know, the, the central scene of, of the movie um, where Sky teaches him how to dive. And this you have this symbolism of, of the ascent into the sky and the plunging into the, into the depths. You have the two sides of the coin of this kind of movement toward, toward life and the movement toward death and seeing how close those are um, to each other. There was, there's, there's this wonderful 
um, plaque that they discovered in Grecian Italy um, at this incredible site called Pistum, um, not too far from Naples. Um, and it was this plaque that covered a, a tomb, and they call it the Tomb of the Diver because it has it's it's an image of 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 a man diving into um, diving into this um, blue pool of water um, from a diving board that's you know eight steps up, and it's this richly symbol symbolic idea of the dive into death, the dive into the unknown, and and you know as soon as I read that scene, I, you know, I want to shoot the scene, you know, and there's a shot that you know, I composed to look exactly like that. There's a point in the movie where we actually see that that plaque. There's some little, you know, details like that that, that build out this idea of you know, the connection between the water and, and, and death and that idea of the diving into that, you know, that not just the, um, the physical death, but also the death to um, a certain past, to the old self inside of us, which is part of what Calvin's journey is. You know, so there's a, you know this very ancient symbolism of the water as you know a place of death, but also of of rebirth. So you know there was a lot of things like that. So the color blue became really important to us, and it's you know it's um, counter of more earthy colors, more, you know, kind of ochres and dark yellows and oranges. And, you know, these were kind of the conversations that we had out of which we built the palette for the movie. And seeing these two characters who are, you know, they are kind of polar opposites from each other, um, representing two sides of the coin, representing in a certain side, in a certain way, um, life and death itself, you know, and... Um, you know, and as Sky's character moves closer toward death, she kind of pulls Calvin into life. So it's like there are a lot of really interesting dynamics and reversals there that informed the way that we, um, you know, built out the, the, the production design and the costuming and the way that we shot certain scenes. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I used a lot of, um, drone shots kind of periodically throughout the movie to keep giving us this perspective this high perspective on um, the world you know not just because it looks cool but because it also kind of reminds us of this this constant dynamic that we have in the story between um, between the earth earth and heaven in a certain way not just in um, in the idea of life and, and death and the physical death, but also in the sense of a character like Calvin who's kind of grounded. You know, he can't move. He's stagnant. And in order for him to move on with his life, he's going to need to learn how to let go and allow this this old person inside of him die so he can really live. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Really beautiful. And uh, Yeah, it's the... I don't know. Did you mention that Calvin's a hypochondriac, and that's when he's nothing's wrong with him, you know? And he just happens to be going to the cancer, uh, you know, support group. 
<laughs> because he keeps thinking something's wrong with him. Um, so it, that's, that's what, you know, because you mentioned they're in the cancer support group, but uh, he is uh, very healthy and nothing is absolutely wrong with him, but he keeps thinking. And he even has a journal that he keeps daily of all his symptoms. And but he takes his temperature and he... He what, he what else does he do? He does all kinds of things on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, his heart rate, his temperature, his symptoms, you know. He measures the size of this mole that he has. It's, um, it's just, you know, he's very, very vivid. And, he, uh, you know, and we discover that there are some things that have happened in his life right. that, you know, contributed to... Um, to this place where he, he is right now. So there's a lot of things inside of him, some some real traumas that he experienced that he's had to, to let go of. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so there's some real, you know, sensitive stuff there uh, for, for both of them. Um, but, you know, we try to, you know, treat it with a light touch. Yeah, and... and we have to laugh at ourselves. Yes, we know? do. We do, we do. You know, I mean, <laughs> my gosh, you can't... If you, if you don't laugh at yourself, it's just, you know, it's a tragedy, I think, you know. Uh, you know, and it helps lighten us, lightens the load a little bit. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, you are listening to the Jam Price Show all about movies, and my guest today is director Peter Hutchings, and we're talking about his brand new movie, Then Came You. Um Peter, what, what, you know, the light, the lighter touch, but interesting that um, I liked, you know, what you're saying. I, you know, I didn't put it all together, so I'm really glad that you uh, brought up, the, you know, the color blue and her name, and you know, this guy, and 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 also that you write about water being also about rebirth, death and rebirth. I hadn't thought about it about the death part, but I always have seen water as symbolic for rebirth. So that was that's interesting. That's why I like talking to to you uh, to find out. More about the symbolism of it. What, what other um, things, as a as somebody who's watching this movie, should they be looking for that will help their experience be that more uh, enriched by knowing a few interesting tidbits from you? Um, I mean, there's always a lot of you know fun behind the scenes stuff, you know that. That at least me, you know, growing up as a as a filmmaker, I always loved watching all of the like you know director commentaries. And me too. Behind the scenes, I'm always interested in you know my my first one of my actual earliest moments were um, that I think kind of contributed to me wanting to be a film director is when I watched um, you know we had this VHS of Michael Jackson's Thriller that scared the heck out of me, and the only way I could watch it is that directly after there was a making of, you know, I had to watch the the making of in order to kind of bring myself back to the reality of what I had just seen. So that was kind of like a very early experience that made me, you know, I think may have set off some of, you know, some of this drive to, to be a filmmaker. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, this, this kind of, this, the story is very fun and it's very, um, you know, in moments, it's very light and funny in moments and, and, very, you know, difficult and emotional in moments, and and I think that you know that's the kind of first layer that that it's going to hit people, mm-hmm. um, and you know, for me, that's that that's kind of couched in some of these deeper symbolic and thematic um, aspects. You know, there's a there's a really wonderful quote from Leonardo da Vinci 
that I always came back to as a as kind of a touchstone for, for the movie. He says, while I thought I was learning to live, I've been learning to die. I love that quote. And it's great. It's great. And it's, and it's you know, it's something that was echoed throughout the, the Renaissance, you know, in, with Francesco Petrarch and, you know, Cicero, you know, a thousand years earlier had said to philosophize is to learn to die. There's something that is, you know, we, we're, we put death away from us. You know, we kind of hold it at an arm's distance. And it's actually the rejection of death and kind of the repression of some of those feelings that has led to Calvin being in the, you know, the difficulty that he's in. And so, you know, that that kind of thematic idea of that life and death are much closer than we think. And like I was saying before, not just our physical death, but also, you know, more of an existential death. That for us to to live and really be present, it's important for us to constantly allow certain outdated thoughts and, and behaviors and conceptions and prejudices that we have allow those parts of us to die and just be constantly reborn and fresh to the moment. So that, you know, that was, that was part of what um, I was trying to put into the movie. It's, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And the movie is, too. It's, I definitely recommend every, it's a movie for everybody. I mean, it's not just for, it's for everybody to be re-reminded exactly that all the things you're saying, you know, that sometimes as people get older, they tend to stop living. They get into their routines and, and, uh, just forget about what brought them joy and what made them happy. So I think this movie is a reminder. Uh, of those things. Uh, definitely, uh, Sky is just full of energy and life. I loved all of her wing- wigs. Whose decision was it to come up with all those fun wigs? <laughs> and they were so perfect for her character. Oh, I know, I know. That was actually one of the first things I did when I, when I met Maisie. We went wig shopping together in, in London. We didn't actually buy anything, but just, you know, kind of that first process of, you know, that was that was something obviously that was really important to the character. And one of the things we talked about early on was does she have one wig throughout the whole story or multiple? And we really loved the idea of you know of her trying on these different hats because part of you know Skye is not this manic pixie dream girl character that we see in so many movies. She's a real you know three dimensional flesh and bone character, and you know. Part of what I, I love about the story is that, you know, it's not just the story of Calvin's growth. It's also the story of her growth and transformation. And at the beginning of the story, you know, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of, you know, um, posturing going on there. And, you know, part of those multiple wigs is that you see that this is someone who she's searching for an identity. You know, even though she feels she comes across as so confident and she really does have some, some wisdom to offer, but she also has... Um, wisdom to discover and she does i think over the course of this story so i think that that's part of what makes this story extra rewarding you have these two um really fulfilled arcs definitely and they do learn from each other it's not just calvin learning how to live it's also sky learning you know i think she she, her yes her character definitely changes throughout the movie but it's their relationship that enriches each of them so it's not one-sided which is 
what you want in all relationships that we have, that you want them to be equally enriching, you know, so it does come across that. Absolutely. And that, and that, that was part of, um, that was really part of what I found so exciting about this story is that you don't see a lot of movies about friendship. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not a romance. It's a friend, it's a, it's a deep friendship and you see how important it is. Part of what the story is telling is how important friendships are and relationships are for us to grow. You know, that none of us can do this alone. None of us can live alone. None of us can die alone. <laughs> you know, so so that was something that, was, that I, I think is really special about this story. It is. I agree with you 100%. Peter, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Izzy, the Nina Dobrev character, and how she plays in this story? So Izzy's played by by Nina Dobrev, who is just absolutely wonderful, a wonderful actress, just so charming. And, you know, one of the first ways that we encounter this character is through a drawing, a sketch that Calvin has, has made of her. And, you know, he's drawn to her, he's, he's attracted to her, but it's kind of a bit of a question of what is it that he's attracted to in her, you know? Seeing someone from a distance, he's... You know, when you see someone from a distance and kind of flatten them, you, you know, they become two-dimensional like a sketch. And, you know, she's obviously very beautiful and, um, and that can kind of, that can draw you in. But as he gets to know her, <laughs> finding the, the real human there beneath, um, you know, the, the real, the, the real character, um, beneath, um, is that's what he really falls in love with. And so it's kind of an interesting, um, you know, it's an interesting storyline in its own, right. um, but in terms of how it fits in with this, um, you know, with this broader, the broader thematic of the story, you know, all the things that we kind of sometimes simplify by right. keeping at a distance. It is. But and how it can be really difficult to actually, you know, get to know someone. And that's something that obviously, you know, is becoming, I think, more and more difficult as we're spending more time on our computers and phones, you know, actually being with people in yeah. three dimensions. <laughs> exactly. And getting to know them and Peter, all I mean, of their faults. I, their... I hate to say this, our time is up, but it's been a pleasure okay. having you on the show, and I wish you much uh, success with Then Came You. Thank you so much. It was Thank a real you. pleasure talking with you. You too, Peter. Thank you. Go to The Jam Price Show on Facebook to learn more about upcoming shows, and while you're there, like my page. And also, to listen to The Price Movie Minute movie reviews and to listen to archive shows that you may have missed go to the jam price show.com on power talk am 1460 and fm 101.1 streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. jan price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business the jan price show the Ozio Theater in downtown Monterey is now open every day, showing independent and foreign films. The Ozio Theater has new concession offerings, including beer, wine, hard cider, and their homemade Lush Slush. You can now schedule private event screenings for community charity events, birthdays, anniversaries, or just a fun gathering of friends. For more information, visit the Ozio Theater online at oziotheater.com. <laughs> 